0: Well, this afternoon, my brothers and sisters, at the request of Bishop Matano, I have to address a very important issue that's going to be relevant here uh, in light of what's going to take place this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, as we all know as Catholics for many years now, really, especially since 2002 and the Boston scandal, we're all very familiar with the abuse scandal in the hierarchy and the clergy of the Catholic Church. And in New York State, just recently, a few months ago, there was a law that was passed. Uh, it's called the Child Victims Act, and uh, it has a lot of consequences um, to this to this law. One of the things that's going to do, and it's going to take place this Wednesday, is there will be a lifting of the statute of limitations uh, in regards to bringing uh, civil lawsuits against institutions, public and private, that. Um, you know, have been, there's credible allegations in regards to this matter. So what what that means practically for the Catholic Church um, in New York State is that the diocese in New York State very likely are going to be getting, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits, okay, more lawsuits, because the statute of limitations being lifted, the people are going to be, so no matter how far back the purported instance of abuse was in time, as long as that person's alive, the victim is alive, and they can, you know, bring the charge and, uh, against the diocese, they can do that. Okay, so we're expecting um, uh, a lot of media attention uh, this Wednesday. Um, <clears throat> this law pertains to not just the Catholic Church, but very likely in the media, it's the Catholic Church that's going to be the focus. Uh I really today I find it almost kind of eerie because our gospel text is so relevant to this issue and uh, there's going to be two points that I make that are going to structure my homily from our gospel. The the first is uh a note of hope and that is Jesus saying where he says fear not any more little flock it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a very encouraging um passage from our gospel. And I'm going to speak about that sort of at the end. But I'll draw our attention to the end of our passage first and foremost. Very interesting. Peter asks the Lord, okay, you know, this kind of severe, austere um, standards that you're putting before us, is this for us or is it for everybody? Meaning, is it for us in terms of the apostolic leaders of the church? And Jesus goes on and he describes the servant who's got charge over other servants. He's really talking about the ministers of the church, okay? So the this really kind of severe warning that he's giving is is directed at the leadership of the church, okay? And that there's going to be really bad consequences for leaders who uh take advantage of the people that they you know that they've been entrusted to whom they've been entrusted. And um you know those the the, the servant who begins to eat and drink and get drunk and to beat the men servants and the maid servants. Okay, so there's a whole issue of abuse going on in here and uh it's not going to be pretty. You know, so if there's no consequences on this earth with the Lord in eternity there's going to be big consequences. For the leadership, to whom more is given more is required. And um, at this time, it is not a time uh, I'm speaking specifically for for Catholic priests. It's not a time to be defensive. And to say, well, you know, this this uh, terrible these terrible things happen in the Boy Scouts. They happen in the public schools. They happen here and there. And all of that might be true, but it's really not the time for Catholic priests to be saying that. We need to be taking care of our own act, getting our own act together, clean our, cleaning our own house, and making sure we're paying attention to ourselves and that we're doing the right things. Um, you can't do all of these bad things without bad consequences. Happening, okay? It's just it's the law of sowing and reaping, all right. And sooner or later, the chickens come home to roosts. Now, the one of the one of the bad consequences of all this is going to be a financial impact. Of course, the financial impact is going to be uh, very severe. Uh, it's important to understand, though, and I think this is a point that the bishop wants to to convey to everybody, is that each of uh, the parishes are independently incorporated, okay? So the lawsuits are going to be directed at the diocese. The diocese is an independent corporation from the parishes. And because it's got the bigger pool of money, the lawsuits are directed at the diocese. Okay? So there's not going to be direct economic financial consequences for the parishes. I would be irresponsible if I were to promise you that there weren't going to be any kind of financial consequences for the parishes. I, I can't say that. Maybe in some kind of indirect manner, I'm thinking, I don't know, but maybe, um, uh, insurance premiums being, being, uh, you know, increased, things like that. So, but, but it is important though to know, and I think the bishop wants us to know this, is that the lawsuits are going to be directed at the diocese and not at the parishes. And also too, I, I think we're going to be able to have some representatives from the diocese come and answer questions. We'll have an evening session probably here in Wolcott and people from Red Creek uh, and Wolka can can come. And uh, it'll be uh, Doug Mandolero, who is the Diocesan Public Relations guy, and then Deb Hausel, who uh, has for many years now done uh, good work as the Coordinator for Victims Assistance in this matter. So both of these people really know what they're talking about and they'll be able to answer any questions much better than I would uh, that anybody might have in relation to this issue. Uh, it's also important, I think, in light of the very likely the, the media storm that's going to be coming up here, to clarify certain things that you probably won't uh, that won't be made clear in the media. Um, one of those things is that we are doing the dioceses in America are doing everything they can to make this situation better, to improve it, and to make sure that these sorts of crimes don't happen. Now, of course, you can't eliminate all chance and possibility of these sorts of crimes taking place, but you can do things that are prudent and intelligent to kind of minimize uh, the possibility. And, and I, I think that since the 90s, uh, the diocese in America have been taking steps. Certainly our diocese in, in, of Rochester has been taking steps and putting into place common sense, good, different uh, institutional reforms and protocols and whatnot. Uh, the, the big change, though, took place in 2002 after the Boston uh, scandal, and uh, at that time the U.S. bishops got together in Dallas for their yearly meeting in in, uh, in Texas, and they put together what's now called the Dallas Charter. And there's certain protocols and mandates that are uh, that extend to all the dioceses of the United States. So, first of all, one of the mandatory rules is that for any priest or any employee of a parish that has a credible accusation brought against them they're pulled from ministry if you're a priest you're done for you don't minister anymore period if you're an employee you're no longer an employee okay so it's a one strike and you're out policy it's uh it's very rigorous also there are for all priests for all employees mandatory background checks okay before you step foot in the facility to late to work and to minister there's a background check okay um, the Diocese of Rochester goes one step further. We give background checks for volunteers even, volunteers who are in connection with anybody, okay, who are going to be ministering in interpersonal relationships. There are background checks for for those volunteers. Also, again, from the, the Dallas Charter, one of the requirements is for guys who are going through the process of becoming priests and they're in what's called seminary, there are, throughout the stages of the seminary experience, many different uh, opportunities and occasions where they are subjected to psychological evaluations. So I, I gave this talk to, uh, to a week ago to the other half of the cluster, and my joke was that you know after six years of seminary, I'm friends with I'm close friends with about seventy five different psychologists. Okay, so it really is. It's very. It's a lot. Okay, there's a, really a lot of examination um, on that front. Also at the parish level, mandatory uh, training in spotting abuse, recognizing the signs of abuse, reporting to the, uh, the police, so forth and so on. The training, I have to say, you know, in all honesty, is not super extensive and it makes you some kind of elite specialist. But what it does is it's a, a, an awareness raiser. It's constant consciousness raising. So you can ask any secretary in any parish and ask them about what we call case training. They're like, yes, case training. I mean, they it's really pushed a lot because and it's mostly I think it's awareness raising, okay? And and so it's a little bit of a pain from an administrative point of view, but it's a good thing. Ultimately, it's a good thing. Also, uh there are it's mandatory for all dioceses to have lay review boards that work in conjunction with the bishops. So there's a group of lay people who are special, specialists in law enforcement and psychology and other relevant fields. And if there's any credible allegation brought against an employee or a clerk, uh, that is reviewed by this group of lay people. Okay? And then the lay board gives a recommendation to the bishop as to what to do. And I can say confidently... I would bet money that you could not find a single recommendation by any lay review board in any diocese of America that's not followed by the bishop. Because if the bishop disagrees with the lay board and, and parts ways and takes a le- more lenient uh, path, it would be a media storm. Okay, It would be bad PR. So practically speaking, these lay review boards actually have a lot of influence. And uh, it's it's a good thing, ultimately. There's a, sort of a system of checks and balances put uh, set up in relation to the bishops. Um, and then finally, there's another lay review board that's set up at the national level that has as its job to audit all of the dioceses in the U.S. to make sure they're in compliance with these mandates. There's a lot more reforms, and there's more recent reforms that have been being put into place in connection with bishops, okay? So it's really kind of a lot to get into, and I don't want to spend the whole time Speaking about this, but I want to end on a, on a note of positivity, of hope. And uh, I really believe what our Lord is, is saying to us in our gospel is relevant to this crisis that we're facing here. He says to us, do not be afraid, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And if we think about what he's saying here, it's really, Very consoling and encouraging. Sometimes we might feel like we're this little flock. We're getting crushed. Okay, we can't stand up against the big bad giants of the world or whatever it might be. Any troubles that come our way are like a giant and we're like this little flock. Nonetheless, God is in control. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Okay, that that whole phrase, good pleasure, that means just simply because he wants to. God's will is absolutely sovereign. And all of the universe is in obedience to his will, period. So it is an absolute guaranteed thing that God's perfect, holy will will be accomplished in the world through the church. And uh, I'll, rec- I'll you know, call your attention back to two weeks ago when I was here. I talked about the phrase in the Our Father, thy kingdom come. And I gave that story about This monk who was so sick and tired of all the nastiness and the sin and the wickedness in the world, he said, Lord, just take me right now. I want to go to heaven where there's no more sin. And what the Lord showed him was that God's kingdom, despite appearances sometimes, is present in the world. If you can remember the story, his vision, what he saw, the light of God's grace, which is his kingdom, filling the hearts of Human beings of individuals here and there all over his town. And then he was given the privilege of seeing the whole world from the point of view of heaven and all the world submerged in darkness and darkness of sin. But nonetheless, all of these souls lit up with God's grace shining like the stars of heaven. And so though the media is not going to report on the power of the mass, the media is not going to report on the work of God's grace in the church, through the church, in the souls of human beings all over the world. Nonetheless, it's there. And I can say confidently that the more I minister as a priest, the less cynical, the less pessimistic I become, the more I enjoy ministering. I uh, love this saying that I heard years ago. as A fellow priest said, the priesthood is such an amazing job and vocation and, and calling he says it's like being given front row seats in God's miracle show. And I really think that, that and he made that up himself. But I mean it really is very true. I see that kingdom, okay, that we talked of that I that I you know gave the story about two weeks ago. I see it, especially in the confessional. I see it in the in the lives of the individuals that I minister to in the care facilities, in the nursing home. In the, in the assisted living places, in the hospitals, when I'm working with people on their deathbed, I see it in the generosity of the time, the talents, and the treasure that my parishioners give, how much they love their parishes, how much they love the Catholic Church. I see that grace, presence in our midst, that light in the midst of the darkness. And so we might feel like a little helpless flock, but God's will is supreme. And you know what? Even more, I'm not afraid to say this at all. It might sound a little crazy, okay? But despite all appearances to the contrary, I believe that the church is winning. It's winning the battle against darkness. It's winning the battle against the devil. Why? Because our Lord Jesus Christ has already defeated the devil at the cross 2,000 years ago. And you've got to have a big-picture perspective on things. Christ's power is unstoppable. He is victorious. If you can imagine a kind of battle taking place, a cosmic battle, as it were, between the Lord Jesus and the powers of darkness, the powers of darkness have been in flight. They have turned tail, and they have been running for the past 2,000 years. Now, they can turn around every once in a while and do some rearguard action and get a shot in or two, okay? But ultimately, what's happening? They're fleeing. They're running. Jesus is victorious. And uh, this is what our faith is in. This is what our trust and our hope is in. So my brothers and sisters, first of all, let's have solidarity with the victims. They are our fellow members of the body of Christ. They are suffering. Let's be confident that in even in the lawsuits, this is God's will. He's purifying the church. He's making it stronger through this hardship. And uh, justice is being done on behalf of these people whose lives have been so terribly affected by the sins that were perpetrated against them by clergy. And secondly, let's thank God and and be grateful for this purification that's taking place. The church is going to be stronger because of it. I, I guarantee it. The church is going to be stronger because of it. The church is a safer place for kids. You know, it's really apples and oranges what we're dealing with here. This is something that won't be made clear in the media, but it's important for us to know. Uh, all the different authoritative studies that have been done have shown that the, the sort of critical mass of instances of abuse were really take, took place in the 70s, all right? By 1981 or 1982, the instances go down big time. After the, the uh, Dallas protocols were put into place in 2002, there's even more of a dip, Okay. And I don't, I say that not to minimize the nasty things, the terrible things and the lives that were hurt so badly. I don't, I don't want to minimize that, but I want to say it's a different time period that we're living in. And that's not going to be made clear in the media. All right. Even a year ago when the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, investigation, the results of that came out, the results, if you studied it, were identical to the studies that had already been done that showed that all the abuse cases, not all, but the vast majority, were done 40 years ago. It's a different time period that we're living in. God, through the church, is making progress in this area. It's a safer place. And I would say, too, that the broader society in America is safer for children, at least in this regard, than it's ever been. All right, That's an awesome thing. That's a positive thing to be grateful to the Lord for. And then finally, my brothers and sisters, along with solidarity for the victims, gratitude to God for his purification, let's have trust and confidence that Christ is victorious, that nothing can stop him, and that it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom.